That kid is back on the escalator again. Leave it alone. What? Comics. What are you? I'm Batman. TV and movies. Wrestling. And Music. We are just getting started. Finally, a podcast about things you actually care about. Hosted by a couple of guys who actually care about those things, too. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. Maybe a little too much. Yes, that's awesome. The talented one, Chris Machete. That no-talent ass clown became famous. And Brenton, you know, that guy from your other favorite podcast. I liked it. I was good at it. So grab onto the handrail and don't let go. This is the Kids on the Escalator podcast. Woo! Here's CM and BD. Hello. Yo. I like that background, dude. Look at that. Cool, thank you. Looks like you're in a closet, but a closet full of cool shit. <laughs> it's actually a fairly big room, but yeah. This is the uh, coloring room with all the it's big funny, computer brilliance. It's funny because Todd's got, Todd looks like he's always in a closet mm-hmm. surrounded by guitars. But, and nice. you know, you got that background. But this that looks great. I like it. It's got a thank good you. look to it, man. It's got a good right look on. to it. Right on. I was going to say, today's my dad's birthday. We just went out for dinner with him. So happy birthday to my dad. Woo. Gracious Gary. Happy birthday, buddy. All right. There you go. Cheers, Another buddy. trip around the sun, maybe yep. just maybe. Well, he 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 remembers the Leafs winning a Stanley Cup, but yeah, well, I got him tickets for. Uh, well, we got him tickets to go see the France play here, the Frontenacs, our OHL team, and I got yeah. him. I like this really old Frank Mahovlich hockey card and a case and a stand kind of thing, so it's decent. So yeah, happy birthday, Dad! Cheers to you. Did you go get some ribs? Where'd you go eat? Montana's man, that's his favorite spot. Mm-hmm. I liked it. Well, there's ribs there. There you go. There is. And that's what he had was ribs and wings like he always does. And I had, uh, what I changed, I had fajitas. My mom and I had fajitas. My wife had tacos. She panicked. She's. It's funny because they have this special on of like a uh, surf and turf with this, you know, steak the size of your fist kind of thing. And yeah, yeah. The shrimp and this huge baked potato. And I'm like, wow, Alex, so you're going to get the small one, right? Oh, I think so. I think so. She shows up and Lonnie panics and says, tacos. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. What? The look on her face was just like, uh, tacos. Damn. Have you been there? Have you ever done that? Like, they, you just panic and you order something? Yeah, you just kind of go like, I don't know what other, give me a clubhouse. It's a classic yeah. thing on the road. It's like, uh, clubhouse? That's I don't it. know what this squid wrapped in bacon thing you got going on is, but I'll take a clubhouse. Oh, look at that. The clubhouse has got squid in it, wrapped in bacon. Yeah. It's, it's a squid <laughs> uh, clubhouse. Yeah. Yeah, man, it's crazy. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm back to. Well, I'm. I'm back uh, to do the thing. But last week you had a little. Uh, I was on a kind of on a beach, a beach that could kill you, and went with the riptides and all that stuff. But it was uh, fun nonetheless. But you did a preview show um, about what you got coming up because we got two episodes left of this, and then we're gonna switch formats to live from Machete Studios. So that was pretty yeah. rad, man. Yeah, cool, man. Would you, so uh, it, we were talking about, and it's funny because my mom was telling me over dinner that I guess uh, somebody's headed up to the moon now. They're they're actually going to look at living on the moon now, or they're they're making it public that yeah. they're they're looking at getting a station up there. So uh, my question last week to my viewers, and it was all nobody wanted to do it. Even my wife was like, "No, I was the only one." So if let's just say, buddy, that they get a station up on the moon, and it's mostly underground, but you know, you got your big window things that you can see the Earth and whatever. But they've got it all set up for you know they need do- they got doctors there and you can have your own little garden. Would you go right off the if you could? It'd probably be tough, but if you could be one of the first ones to go out there and live on the moon and say it's safe, right? As safe as could be. You know what I mean? You assume, as I mentioned, you have doctors. You can you can grow your own food. You know your air's fine. It's all like that. Would you be one of the first people to go out there? Would you go for that? I'm pretty adventurous. I can go out and do things. You know, I, I try to see things when I'm traveling, but um, I'm not sold on the zero gravity uh, being able to be held down to a, a, a thing. And I think that getting getting kind of thrown off into space right. might qualify as the worst death ever yeah. when you're just floating into the universe while you're like, well, I got enough, enough oxygen for... 97 days great and then you just go and yeah i think that would qualify as the worst death okay so 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 you would you would be worried you would be worried about the scientific angle of it of whether we'd be able to breathe properly or you'd be more worried about accidentally flying off into space ah well have they proven what the gravity content's looking like up there 
I know you can walk on there a little bit. Like the guys are walking a little bit. It's it's a full gravitational thing, I think. Uh, breathing. Uh, We'd have to be underground, right? That was the thing I was discussing. Sorry, yeah. is that you have to, it would ha mostly have to be underground. You know, then and, and that was one of the conspiracy theories is that they're already doing this on on the far side of the moon mm -hmm. because there, there's like this 13 mile crust, right? So technically, they could build in there and and go for miles for miles and miles. They could build things underground. So, so every, so that's safe. You don't have to worry about that. You know, like, like as I mentioned, you're secure. You're not going to run out of air. You're not, yeah. not going to run out of food. There's okay. the earth right there. There's, you, okay. there's a trip. If you want to go back, there's like a taxi. As I said, you know, they got the taxi going back and forth from earth. Um, and it takes, oh, what was, it takes three days to get back and forth from, from the moon. Like we're days. talking now, or we're talking in like 10 years from now. Let's say it's you right now, but in 10 years, like you're in your mindset right now, because we're both at that age where we're pretty, we've done quite a bit of things. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I'm I, in my 50 and I feel like I'm very confident. Yeah, so I think I, I would. I think I would do that at like 60. Really? OK, so, yeah, I think I would give it a little bit more time because I'd want to, you know, I, I, you know, I don't have a desire to, to jump out of a plane. I don't have a desire to even do any kind of high-end parasailing right. uh, just for the, you know, the kids and the thing. Uh, I would say, I would say it would be more like a 60-year-old thing for me where I knew everything was good and things were on their way and the kids were in school and everything was done. Then I'm like, let's give it a go. Okay, well, you know, you got to put, yeah, you, yeah, that's the family. You can bring the kids with you. Yeah, you know, okay, I get it. Moon kids, uh, space trucking. Yeah, I guess that's what they call it. <laughs> I, uh, I'd say, I'd, I know, I don't think so. I think I'd be a watcher first, and I'd be, I'd kind of see how it was going to go. Right. I, think. I would be all over it. I'd be all over it, man. And I'd be like, I, I think, yeah. I, for me, it would be an inspirational uh, opportunity, I think. And I think it would just heighten all my other artistic interests. Like sure. I think I'd probably be able to, I'd, I'd have all these stories. I'd sit yeah. down and draw and I'd be like, you know, I could look out at the earth and just be like, whoa. And, and my, my point I mean, too is that if anything did go wrong, you're, you're, there's mm. the earth. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you're shot, I could see like Mars, right? Like, wow, this is, we are far away, you know, from earth. But I love the way the moon is, is almost like, well, there it is right there. You know what I mean? It's, it's yeah. right there. So I, I myself was all over it. Lonnie was no because she she thought she'd be trapped on the moon. That's how she felt. She felt claustrophobic about it. I, uh, well, I think there's a whole other thing before you get claustrophobic on the moon. I think there's a bunch, there's the bit about being claustrophobic on the way to the moon. Because that's a whole thing. You gotta... It's a three-day trip, but you could go to sleep. They could knock you out for the three days. You know what I mean? Like that. That's totally doable. Humi, 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 what are you like? Humostasis? Humostasis. But... Yeah. Anyway, uh, did you, did you ever see that movie Passengers with uh, 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 what's your name and the other guy? <laughs> that just, um, why did, man, uh, why, why do I think somebody else just mentioned that movie to me? Yeah, so they're all, like, it's Chris Pratt and uh, what's your name uh, from uh, Silver Linings Playbook uh, and the uh, Hunger Games. Okay. Anyways, she's asleep. Oh, right, right, he right. wakes up early. They're on a they're on a on a spaceship that's like uh, and everyone's sleeping for I don't know how many years it is. They yes. been put to sleep for like 150 years. Some kind of thing where they're supposed to wake up at this new destination, and he wakes up early and he's all alone. And then he wakes her up so he won't be alone. I, I have so seen that. The, the premise is kind of cool, but then his moral the moral meter on him people are like what a fucking asshole mm -hmm. he's just killed her right and they fall in love and it's the whole thing um and it had a weird kind of uh shining vibe to it too because mm -hmm. they had that uh, bartender that was kind of like the bartender from the shining it was just this weird kind of do thing. you remember that now dude I and um that. so that that I, I that's as close to like to me like looking at that going yeah that that probably could happen <laughs> yeah right and how freaky would that be to wake up and be like like I'd be rad to have your own place, but I think you would go crazy. So I, yeah, I, I, th I think I'd watch and see how everyone else did their thing, and then I would probably. Mm. I'd love to be the start of a new population somewhere. I think that would be just brilliant to do. You know what I mean? Like just that'd be so cool. There's, I, I agree. I, I, I do agree on that. I think that would be really cool. Um, like just to be, I, just to get on. That's another thing I would really, I would like about that. Well, why would I go blurry? All, there could you imagine? Um, yeah, could you imagine there was like a planet that if you went to. 
and you colonized it with everybody and it was like oh but by going to this planet you're actually going to be 50 for ever or you're going to be that like you know you yeah. you die at 400 just because of the way it is or something so you still have another 400 years of life so you can help develop that would be cool if you could stay this you know 45 to 50 year old range mm-hmm. you know things you you know you could teach some things well you never uh, know you never know yeah. like if, if uh, you get to the maybe we'd be if you get closer to further away from earth you never know who you would get in contact with as well and what would happen right like yeah it's pretty cool things i would say at first though i would need to see the earth personally from where, where i'm at as long as i could see the earth still from where i was at fairly you know i fairly large i could see it see it i would yeah. be pretty cool i could definitely start off on the moon but again my, coming in on the ground floor of starting a new society i would be all over that i think that would be fantastic i wonder I how far away we are they've been trying to get to mars for i mean they've, they've been doing the mars thing and yeah. they did the, obviously the moon thing last week yep uh, and they landed that whole thing um that see mars scares me though again because it's just so far away it's it's <sighs> that that does scare me because it is far away and that's what would scare me would be being trapped there and all of a sudden you're out of supplies or whatever. On the flip side, did you see The Martian with Matt Damon? Yeah, yes. And that yeah, was killer. Did. That was cra- That was a killer premise. But you got to be real smart. Yeah. Like he's a di- scientist and he's like, oh, yeah. doing this. And he grows potatoes. It's like, I'd be done. I'd be done the second. I'd be done. I'd be like, what goes into what? Did I have craft dinner here? I'm out. Yeah. You know what I mean? He'd last a little longer because, you know, he'd, he'd find a way to make it work. But. <laughs> my metabolism is pretty good. I'd be there a little. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be all right. So my, yeah. my wife's like, your metabolism. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm at two o'clock in the morning eating like half a pizza. <laughs> go, go right to bed, get up the next day, you know, a little bit heartburn. But other than that, I'm okay. I'm moving and shaking. And I'm still, you know, fairly. Yeah, my metabolism is crazy. How are the drawings coming? Because you do oh, man, that fancy artwork, man. Uh, it's all in the other room, but the big one I'm doing right now is the uh, the ancient gods of the Machete universe, which is going to explain what's going on now. It's one of those things where when you go back in time, mm. it actually explains the story of what's going on now. The story I've got is so deep now. I've, again, I've gone from that lovely, simplistic idea of an apocalypse, but this is focused on a city, and and how certain characters would 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 be affected by it and how they would live it out. Exactly like, you know, as we were discussing like great storylines, you know, the Simpsons ones, all their their stories back in the mm-hmm. day were really simple. You yeah. don't rely as much on this huge in-depth crazy story as you do as a great character thrown into the situation and how that character would react. So the story of how this happened, this apocalypse happened in Kingston is going to be explained through the ancient uh, gods of the Machete universe. And then the story I'm writing with it is just awesome it's so much fun it's crazy it's so much fun designing your own universe and it's funny because i'll test off my older students right um i only have like 10 10 art students but they are they're good and they range from like i think it was like uh, seven or eight years old up to like my age basically right um but i always throw them my ideas by the older ones from maybe you know 14 and up and i show them the, the ancient gods that i've been doing and they're just like whoa and then they're going well what if this happened and what if there was a god of this place and that plan next thing i know 15 minutes has gone by and they're just we're, they're just bouncing ideas off yeah. because they're so stoked on it and yeah. that's why i know i really got something when when the kids are like whoa you know what could happen because sometimes i'll show them stuff and they're like oh yeah right on that's that's cool but when they really start to riff off it that's when i know i've really got something uh hi ash hey ash what's good up to, good to see you uh dq thanks for the jennifer lawrence uh, stuff that's good that's it um that's who we're looking for jennifer lawrence mm-hmm. that's right uh and it's, this is going to be separate of the skeletron as no that's why i say like this lives, yeah this this is going to explain what's going on why this apocalypse yeah. is really going on <clears throat> it's a smoke i got so much like it is a simple story about about a seance a, a bad bad sacrifice evil sacrifice and how it yeah. affects the city of kingston and mm-hmm. how the government reacts to it and how the military and how normal people react to this this kind of apocalypse deal only in Kingston. You know, and then the, the world realizes this is only going on in Kingston. We're gonna shut Kingston down. Nobody's going in or out. Right? So there's only a matter of time before Kingston implodes. So there's only a matter of time before the government, the military, whoever can take what they can from this this uh, supernatural experience. Because of course they're gonna want to weaponize whatever happened, right? 
they're going to want to weaponize it. And some people just want to know what happened. So the people that are trapped in Kingston, some of them are, you know, just trying to stay alive. Some of them are trying to, you know, just, you know, move on from what happened. And other people are trying to take advantage of the situation, like like our wrestler, El Terrifico, who yeah. underneath the Kingston Penitentiary has this whole elaborate science scientific uh, laboratory. And he's, he's found pieces from from where the seance for where the sacrifice happened. And he realizes that these pieces from this room where the sacrifice happened are like crazy. So he gives them to a scientist and he's taking it apart. Um, all the details are in the comic book. And furthermore to that, Wednesday, we are supposed to get our reprint of issue number one. hundred copies of issue number one reprint with the variant cover and some new things in the back. So that's the original cover. I don't know. I don't think you have the variant cover, which is cool. Um, it'll be out. So Wednesday, I believe we get those. So I'll have Makes more details on that. Great Christmas uh, presents for your friends. Yeah, because now you can, you'll be able to get issue one, two, and three. And I'll have a deal on them one day only. There's issue two. There's issue three. So issue one is being uh, the second print's coming out finally. It uh, should be here tomorrow. I'm looking forward to getting a night. No, tomorrow's Tuesday. Wednesday it should be here. Looking forward to get a nice couple boxes of them. Only 100 issues, my friends. Okay? 100 so, issues, Ashley yeah. Lindley. Variant cover. <laughs> variant cover. So, uh, yeah, so I'm stoked on that. And that's coming around. And, yeah, I'm still teaching for uh, Scholastic there. I got that this weekend coming up again with my brilliant kids downtown. But 15 of them, man. We go in the co- it's funny, too, because I'm teaching these kids in the back of a comic book store. Huge comic book store. Right? Huge yeah. comic book store. And we're in this back room with all these tables and chairs. And in one corner, there are all these guys and girls playing Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. In the other far corner is this group of, and they're all basically adults, right? Yeah. They're, all, they're painting their action figures with these crazy microscope headgear things on and everything, right? And then the other color cover is the other side, some Warhammer guys or some, you know, some other kind yeah. of. And, and I got, got the machete corner. Kids, you got the machete and I got corner. All these, these kids at the other end are all just <laughs> jacked up on, yeah. jacked up on just being set free in a comic book store for one. Yeah, yeah. And two, just you know, the energy that I'm always like, all right, guys, woo, are we ready to rock? You know, and, and, then, and then it's like, who take a break? And I was like, yeah, take a break. You know, just make sure you're, you know you're on your own camera. And they're like going to walk around the D and D guys, and I can see them going, what's that? And what's this? And the D and D guys just like. Leave us alone. I'm oh, yeah, it's hilarious. I I'm a ranger in the middle of a, of a thing. Some, some of them are really cool, but there's the odd guy or girl that's just kind of, you can see them just like, you know, you us, the, 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 the Dungeons and Dragons people in the comic people, uh, they don't mix there. They uh, don't mix. That's, you, you, te- you keep te- your te- people over you there. there. I don't see a ranger among one of you. So get out of here. You know, how many hit points do you have, youngling? You know, they're filming a bunch of shit down the street. Again, and uh, James Gunn. I don't know if you've heard all the news about the DC thing, but um, so James yeah, Gunn. coming. James Gunn's officially taken over, and the DC thing is, uh, you know, they're pausing Wonder Woman. He's made uh, Superman a priority. Mm-hmm. Uh, still, st- there's what's that? Aquaman's Aquaman. out. There's still there's still some uh, uh, um, discussion about whether he's going to allow the Zack Snyder cut universe kind of to finish that there's a getting a lot of demand to uh um you know to finish that up but um he's i think he's you know i think the the um the peacemakers filming here again with cena uh just down the street and then uh, lois and and clark have have started up again and um i'm I'm pretty confident old jimmy gunn's gonna be around here a little bit he'll nail it dude he's he's one of the best man he's one of the best it's funny i I had uh i had to laugh at the comment from what's the thor actor chris helmsworth yeah he's just what is i i think i'm done doing movies with creative directors as the last movie right like what wataki titi there as i mentioned just was not yeah that's why i thought he's that i thought that was pretty funny comment just again more arsenal to my uh, dealie there, right? which is great. Plus, you mentioned to watch Quentin Tarantino that uh, Two Bears One Cave. Oh, till yeah, listen to it. How great was oh, that? Yeah, I, I, now I'm recommending everybody listen to that because it's funny. Because I feel like this, like he emulated so many of of the things that I've said on here. Yeah, like, it, him about you know the Marvel movies. They're all the same all the same right and, he, and then now everyone's kind of coming out like all the marvel guys like even downey and them are kind of going hey it's a different kind of thing but even he's got to be like come on man this is fucking he's defending, the same. He's def- they're a group they're like a clan now those marvel guys right and they of course they're going to defend it but I, I, he but so i said i mentioned that you have to remember that the original comic book source is gold 
that that's the source. You know what I mean? You got to remember that. And Tarantino said that the actors aren't the stars, the comic book characters are, which is kind of what I would like. Just, I love that. That was brilliant. I I just, Quentin Tarantino, man, I would love to have, he's one of those guys on my list that I would love to have a shot of tequila and smoke a joint with, man. Just, and you know, oh. Yeah, he really touched on some great stuff there. And um, uh, I love the fact that, you know, with him, um, that they, he, he doesn't really let them go off script too much, you know? And so to me, knowing that going into a Tarantino movie, especially, um, oh God, especially in Glorious Bastards, mm-hmm. um, where they're doing the whole scene, and he touched on the whole scene with the three fingers and the Germans in the bar, and, you know, he, your dialect has to be perfect. And, yeah. like, to sit at your computer, and you do this, but to sit at your computer and write... And the funny thing is, like, and I was thinking about this yesterday. I was thinking about you yesterday because I was driving down, and I'm, you know, the song was on, and there's some lyrics in that song, and I'm like, God, I was thinking back to the machete stuff, and I'm going, you just, you were able to just spin lyrics so easily, right? And I, I could never wrap my head around writing lyrics for a song per se. I could, I could hum a melody or I could do something, but uh, I could never write lyrics. Writing a story, I've always been able to do because I've always kind of lived in that you know, in my head so I can, I can write that. So to the fact that he would sit down and write this crazy story and then, you know, they have to stick to it. And, uh, it's unbelievable. Like that, so, that whole, you know, that's a great point. So check this out. So, uh, during, um, uh, the, the last one, the Hollywood movie, what's it called? Once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. DQ. So that scene where uh, Leo DiCaprio is yelling at himself as the actor. Yeah. You yeah. suck. You know, I'm going to blow your head out. Gonna... That was all done off the fly. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't, it was uh, Di- DiCaprio was like, no, no, man, you got to, I need some script. And he's like, no, man, no, man, you got to do this. It's just, so <laughs> he's, uh, Quentin Tarantino sat in that little uh, room with him there. Yeah. And was like, yeah, fucking motherfuckers. Yeah, motherfucker, bad crash, crash. Yeah, and, and drinking too much fucking drunk. And, he, and so he was kind of just like, throwing little slurs yeah. at him and he was going off, going off it. But it stressed DiCaprio out so much apparently that yeah. he had to just wing. No, no, man, you got to give me some lines, I guess. So he's one of those actors that has to have direction on in front of him. Which is, which like, is no, man, incredible to me. Cause I, I, you know, I, I think Tarantino brings the best of all these people in DiCaprio yeah. in um, DiCaprio in uh, Django. Uh, DiCasto. No, what did he say? DiCasto. I think Tarantino lets him shoot one take. That's improv. Um, yeah, there's there's a bit of I think that and Django especially to me I I mean my God, that whole scene where they're sitting around the he table cut his hand? and he cut his hand and yeah. DiCaprio's going, come on man, he like just kept guy. going. That was that with I guess that was improv, but I guess it was more of him just going with it. Right? You look at that fucking run that DiCaprio did mm. on just everything. I mean, The Wolf of Wall Street alone, why he didn't win an Oscar for that, just boggles my mind. And then. You know, Django, which is too heavy of content, and then he wins for the one that they filmed up here. But um, my God, what a run that guy did! Yeah. You, so you know? I did. So last week I also did uh, my Cinema Gems, and I did the deep dive on Reservoir Dogs by Quentin Tarantino. Right? Yeah. Um, so what, one of the uh, one of the things I also liked about the uh, when you when you talk to Quentin Tarantino is about his list of people he had or the. Uh, the companies wanted him to have the actors, the actresses play in his movies. And he had like totally yeah. different views or yeah. why he picked certain ones. You know, Matt, it wasn't supposed to be Bruce Willis as the boxer. It was Matt Dillon. Or he Amazing. wrote the role for Matt Dillon, Dillon turned it down. You know why? Cause Did he wanted, but he wanted, he said, I'm, I'll only do it. If you include scenes of boxing right in there, he said, I need more. You got to put it yeah, in. Yeah. He's like, no, nah, it's not in there. So Willis, Bruce Willis, who wanted, uh, who, who he wanted Jules role, I believe. Everyone wanted wanted Travolta's role. Oh, Travolta's role. Yes, he wanted, he wanted Travolta's everyone role. Everyone wanted right? Travolta's role. Everyone yes. wanted Travolta's role. And 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 Quentin Tarantino, he that was he was imperative on that. Um, the the cool thing he thought about Travolta is he went out for lunch with him, and he said th- yeah. he said everywhere he went, everybody was freaking out. He's like, this guy's <laughs> the biggest Travolta, biggest movie you. star in the world, and no, yeah, it's such a great story. And Willis, he meets Willis at uh, Harvey Weinstein's house or something like that, and will and they're talking about they go for a walk on the beach. Yeah, Willis loved uh, Tarantino and or loved uh, Reservoir Dogs. Anyways, everyone, uh, 
uh, DQ. Yeah, you know, just go listen to that interview. That's the best one. Yeah, sorry, I, 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 thought, I, I could go on and on. I thought it. he did a great cool job. Though. I thought he did a great job with um, with Stern, but I I thought that the the two bears one cave got more out of him than Stern did because I just think Stern goes a little bit more this way. These guys were a little bit more uh, centered on the movie making because they're both movie making guys. So I think that's why. So very cool. I've seen tons of Tarantino interviews, and he's a bit frantic, but that was the first one where I where I was like. He was all the way in and kind of letting it all out. Do you remind you of someone? <laughs> Moving I, I, on. I, I, Tarantino's, <laughs> Tarantino's freaking awesome. Eh? I, know what, I, I, right. I just uh, listening to him talk. Racy. Speaking of brilliant directors, uh, we're gonna we wanted to kind of uh, uh, Tom rules DQ. You know what? I'm I'm new to the show, Tom, and so I'm or DQ. So I'm gonna listen to it more. But yeah, you're right. Um, it was a really good one. Um, okay, so. For everyone watching and listening, we touched on it last week. We're going to launch a brand new show in the new year. The Kids on the Escalator podcast is going to be exiting, and uh, we are going to be live from Machete Comics uh, after the new year. But So we've got two shows left, and uh, we've covered so many different topics on this thing. We've covered so many different guys, but we haven't dove too far into John Hughes. Um, we have uh, talked about some of his movies, like some of our favorites or some of our favorite Christmas movies and things like that. But the actual brilliance of John Hughes... And his effect on pop culture and like the directors that have followed and some of the stories that have happened out of out of the things that he's created. He was also um, responsible for making a lot of music popular in the 80s. That whole culture. Absolutely. Of that. Uh, what was it? It's not punk pop. It was. Uh, what was that? That synth pop kind of thing. The English new pop. wave. There was a, a lot new of new wave. wave. Buddy. Sorry, yeah. that's it. New wave. New wave. That's it. And, you know, let's let's not like, you know, the, the core of that mm-hmm. is that Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me was a Billy Idol song. Ah. And Billy gave it to them. Really? And I wasn't Because it was that. like, whatever. Because he still performs it live. Because if you actually listen to it, it sounds like Billy Idol, right? Mm. If you mm. if you really think about his voice on there, next time you listen to the song, you'll be like, right. Sounds like Billy Idol. Bar. Yeah, right? Could you imagine... The Rebel Girl. Could you imagine Billy Idol had put that song out? Like, I just think he, he passed on it and it went to Simple Minds. Mm. And the funny thing is, is like Billy Idol was already the biggest thing ever at that point. Could right. you imagine that he had had that song and put it out as well? I think it's pretty, it's in folklore there that it was his and he passed on it, but he right. still plays it live. Um, yeah. Sidebar. So, sidebar. Um, the song Walk Like an Egyptian was originally offered to uh, the lady that did, uh, oh, Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine. Oh, ah, really? And she turned it down. And the, the bangles, bangles took it. Now you've wow. never heard of that girl who did Mickey again. I can't remember her name. Yeah. So I remember the Bangles. To your point, like you know, to your point, which is great because I, I, you know, the music and all the rest of it, and then we named this show. I think it's only fitting that we that we end the director series that we've talked about. Uh, Dacosta's a huge diehard. Here we go, Dacosta. Great, you, you throw some stuff in there as we go. Um, so I think it's only fitting that the fact that we named this show the Kids on the Escalator podcast. In tribute to Kevin Smith's Mallrats, uh, you know, and Kevin Smith, in essence, became our new John Hughes, really. Not quite yeah. the same success, but he did put music in. He was very heavy on the music, very heavy on the writing, and focused a substantial amount on the John Hughes way. So Characters. I just think, it's, I think, yeah, it's character. And, and, you know, no one writes women better than him other than women, but then he, you know, he writes, he writes very well. Good so, um, so, anyways, we're we're let's do this, and then next week we're gonna have our uh, next week we're gonna have our came from our annual that came from the basement and wrap this whole thing up. So, Ash, you're coming back. Find some cool shit at your house. Tacosta, you've been on here the whole time. We're gonna bring you on the show next week. Find some cool shit in your house. We're bringing you on the show. All right, that's how it's gonna go. We'll send you all the the details uh, in our Twitter and all the rest of it. All right, that's how this is gonna go. Boys. All right. Um, so where do you want to start here, man? Let's go. Uh, I think the first thing I want to put up, at least to start, is the graphic. Oh, yeah. Look at that. So this is just a, a handful of them. It's not necessarily all of them, but this is this is definitely a John Hughes catalog here. If I had to um, pick just one of those and I could only watch one. Forever. I, uh, yeah. I would pick. Wow. What would, do you know? Uh, weird Science. Weird Science. Weird Science. All weird right. Science. All right. Uh, watchers. Uh, listeners, uh, everyone that Clerks 3, yeah, I saw Clerks 3. Yeah, yeah, I'm there with you, buddy. We could, yet, we could do a whole thing on that. Um, 
you got to see that quick, man. I do. I got to see that. I got to talk to you about that. Um, Okay. So no spoilers in the chats, friends, because Chris hasn't seen it yet. So just leave it. All right. I'm just just letting you know. Ashley, get your shit together. Okay. Well, yes. Uh, So the, oh my God. What would we, what would we watch forever? You can only pick one. Can't watch any of the other ones ever again. Okay. You know what I got to do here? I got to go. I have to go Uncle Buck. And oh. I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. And you know why. But it was Zig's favorite. Uh, we shared a lot of one-liners out of that. Mm-hmm. I think it was the epitome of John Candy. I mean, Candy was all the way there on planes, trains, and automobiles. But I mean, I, th- I really think this was the starring role, even better than Great Outdoors. I, this was his. This was all his movie mm-hmm. and everything in it. And I just think that, for me, I think that that is... I could watch that forever because there's just so many lines in there and there's such a great tale and he's such a great guy. And it's, and that movie to me, uh, is perfectly written. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, I think if I, if they're like, that's it, you can't watch another one again. I could watch, gonna, yeah. I could watch. I, I, Uncle I bet you that was written for John Candy. I bet it was, it was, it was 100% was written okay. for John Candy. So, um, uh, DaCosta, you're a big fan. So, you know, this, this stat, um, Planes, trains, guys. Planes, trains is like one A for me. <laughs> it's aren't they, right aren't th- they remaking that? Well, they oh uh, yeah, but they're gonna do it with uh, fucking. I think they're doing it with Will Smith and Kevin Hart. Not Will Smith, no. I think they're doing it with Will Smith and Kevin Hart. I heard this rumbling that they're going to do it with Will Smith. But there's been variations of it. Because they did a movie a couple of years ago with, with uh, uh, um, Zach Galifianakis and yes. uh, Robert Downey Jr. called Due Date, right. which was really great, which basically was 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 planes, trains, and automobiles. Mm-hmm. I, so, I, I read something about a, a reboot or a revamp of it, but it was like female. It was a female and a male. Oh, well, they are. Yeah. I mean, that, that could. And I've also heard rumblings. Um, and for our people watching and listening, I've also heard rumblings that the next Spaceballs will have, um, uh, what's her name, Alyssa from uh, Bridesmaids and uh, the funny one, uh, 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 Melissa McCarthy is oh, okay. going to play is going to play um, her his daughter, Mog's oh, Mog's right. daughter. Right. So that's a cool one if they go down that road. Uh, so we'll that'll see. be interesting to see if what that, what happens with that. Yeah, DaCosta. Oh yeah. But anyway, so uh, yeah. So anyways, going back to it, uh, I think that was the epitome. But John Hughes, back to you, Chris. Uh, I just want to put up some of those graphics. You wanted to start with Vacation. Oh, I, I, uh, I, this is my one. I'm just picking one movie. There's, I could, you know, instead of just touching on a whole bunch of them, I'm gonna go for one that I can. I never get tired of watching. I love. There it is. National Lampoon's Vacation. This sprang from a, a short story. That he oh the, the cool thing about that that's Star Wars right that's that one picture so here we go so this is from based on a short story he did in uh, National Lampoon magazine and he called it Vacation Fifty Eight and it was from nineteen seventy nine and it there's so much in this story that is exactly from the movie now the cool thing it just put in you know a Vacation Fifty Nine story or sorry vaca- Vacation Fifty Eight story it's called Vacation Fifty Eight. Yeah, um, circuit. I can send it, and it, the story can be read to you. You can click on a button, and this girl will read you the whole story. And there's so much from this original John Hughes deal short story that he wrote that's in in the movie, like from the dog. You know, you know. I don't. I don't want to throw too many spoilers on this, but come on. Again, I, I have such a hard time thinking that nobody's seen this movie, but then I forget that there are people that are younger than me. So, Vacation was uh, that movie came out in 1983, and of course, it, it spurred. One of the biggest ones was the Christmas Vacation, right? Everybody loves that. Everybody loves Christmas Vacation. That's that's one of my uh, one of my favorites. Yeah, he did. So they did the National Lampoon's European uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vegas Vacation in '97 was just Vegas Vacation, it wasn't National Lampoon's. Um, but we have that magazine with the original article. That, You're bringing that next week. That's You're bringing amazing. that next week. Uh, basement man, that's that's that's. I came brilliant. from the that's, basement. You got to bring that next week to Costa, that's right? Jam, dude. So again, yeah. so this movie is just you know again. I love this. Here, here's the movie: The Misadventures of the Griswold Family, whose attempts to enjoy vacations and holidays are plagued with continual disasters and strangely embarrassing predicaments. That is so simple. So a family is going on vacation. Now let's write some great characters. Oh my gosh! So Chevy Chase is in this, as we all know. And apparently, whatever a douchebag he is in real life, man, he is hilarious in this movie. He's just great. Uh, him and Harold Ramis kind of took control of this, I believe. Harold Ramis being the uh, director. Yeah. Um, 
And then, you know, Randy Quaid's character, who is a cousin, Cousin Eddie, and if you've all seen Christmas Vacation, you know the the evolution of his character. So I, one thing I love about this is, like, first appearance stuff, like just like in comic book movies and things. So you get your first dose of Eddie in here, which, who, in my, my opinion, is just a brilliant character. Again, a guy that you throw in different situations, and you got laughs. Hilarity he's hiding, and, he's hiding and, here in Vancouver, by the way. So. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that. Um, Christy Brinkley does does some appearances here and there, which is an icon from the, that era, from the mm. early eighties, late seven, early eighties, late seventies. I guess it would yep. have been. She's sprinkled out throughout it, you know. And then you've got, of course, you've got you know Michael Anthony Hall, who grew three three inches throughout the filming of this movie. He started off being the shortest one in the cast and ended up being as tall as Beverly D'Angelo. So they had yeah. to kind of switch the ages of them, have him be the older <laughs> older sibling. By the end of the movie, which I thought was really, really funny. And, uh, of course, uh, uh, Beverly D'Angelo, who is the quintessential 80s mom there from the from the vacation movies. And she's hilarious in it, too. The, the repertoire between Chevy Chase and Beverly D is, is amazing. As is amazing as the whole cast, again. Um, uh, what's her name? Panna Baron, is that, I believe, is, mm-hmm. is, the, is the daughter. And they use different kids throughout all these vacation movies. It's so like, funny to me that they use different kids all the time. But yeah, but they kept using uh, the same uncle and aunt, cousin Eddie. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. Aunt, that just cracks me up. Yeah. They, they were the same, which which was which was really cool. Uh, the, the Eddie character, cousin Eddie, was just brilliant. I thought he was great. He was the evolution of it to the. If you go and keep watching to the Vegas movie, man, uh, Eddie makes Uncle Eddie makes an appearance. I'll take Vegas. some of the blue stuff there, and uh, I'll take some of that uh, whatever that yellow stuff is. I wanted to be money. <laughs> I wanted to be money. Yeah, I love that. I'm, that's hilarious. This family is written so well. I love Vegas. That, again, you just throw them in a vacation setting. And I got an idea. Move. Why don't you just give me $100 and I'll kick you in the balls? How about this? <laughs> Where do I get some damn bait? <laughs> Thank you for coming to the damn, damn tour. Oh, my God. Oh, it's so like, like, like little things like that, right? Mm-hmm. So the original one, though, I, just, I love them all. I just I keep going back to this original one just because I love it so much. 1983. Second one was European Vacation, which, again, is a sleeper hit. I love that movie. That was 1985. Um, then Christmas Vacation, 1989. That's like a yeah. staple for our Christmas here. And then yep. Vegas Vacation came out almost a decade later, 97. And, you know, and then they did a remake, which is great. By the way, you got to give it its due. Uh, it's okay. Christine Applegate and Ed Helms. I, thought I love was, Christine Applegate. I thought it, I thought it was killer. Um, she was so good in this movie. <laughs> when they go, to the co- they go to the college and she's got, I can do this. And she takes two shots and tries to do the thing and throws up all over. The- yeah, Come on. that was funny. Then they got, uh, <laughs> they got uh, uh, Griswold uh, Springs. Mm-hmm. Where they go into the fucking thing and the condom and the needles and all the shit. Oh god, yeah. it was great. So, a fu- so great going into my next little thing here is just some some spots about the vacation movie, the original one that you may not knew or may not know. Uh, so first of all, uh, you, in in the remake, I believe Rusty had the uh, love interest, the outside love interest. Yeah. And in the original story, that's what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a thirteen year old girl pursuing Rusty, not. That lady, pers- not Christy Brinkley, pursuing Chevy Chase. So Chevy Chase and Harold Ramis changed that themselves. They, they threw that in there. But originally, it was supposed to be a 13-year-old girl pursuing Rusty. So that would have put a big change in it. Um, just, I just want to add the song Holiday Road is awesome for summer barbecuing and having family over and whatever. It's just one of those great holiday road. Great song. I would, I would wager he had a bigger hit with that than he did in Fleetwood Mac. That is just a great song. It's just one of those feel good songs that when you're having a family over, you yeah. know, like because we're getting old, right? You know what I mean? It's not always about cranking on Slayer. It, but you, uh, this is that's just a great song. Just had to throw that in there. Um, no, this is funny. At the end of it, they do the end credits things with all the photographs throughout the tour. Yeah. And if you keep watching, the very last photo is of them on an airplane showing, showing they didn't drive home. Oh, I, I, thought, I thought that was hilarious. Uh, that was yeah. freaking hilarious. Another uh, little Easter egg is when they go in the, uh, the cowboy tavern. The first thing you see on the left is is uh, Christy Brinkley copper tone ad right there on the left. <laughs> if you uh, sharp eyes, we'll see that, which is great. Um, the, so Wally World is everybody's like, where was that film? Where was that film? That was actually filmed at Six Flags, Valencia, California. And another thing that an Easter egg thing to watch the second time through, not to ruin the movie for you, but look at the backgrounds. They're painted. 90% of the time when they're outside, if you look, you won't notice yeah. until you look and you're like, ah, oh, the clouds are not moving like at all. And then you look at us. 
Oh, that that's a and you can tell it's a backdrop and most of the stuff that's going on. I've been there. We've been to that. Uh, we've been to that that Six Flags. Okay, so that's that's what I was yeah. really and that's okay. Now, um, check this out. This I thought this was amazing and more to John. I got two John Candy points here <laughs> that I think are fantastic. The first time they did the screening of the movie and the filming of it, John Candy was not in there at the end. Okay, so they did what what they do test screenings, right? And they people loved the movie, did not like the ending. So Harold Ramis reached out to John Candy and he wanted him to play that security guy. I can't remember his yeah. name, but it's the same security character he played in SCTV. Oh, and if yeah, you know what yeah, I'm yeah. talking about, you're, you're going to be like, oh, boom, you know, mind blown. That's the same character he played in SCTV. Right. Well, that character basically saved the movie in a small way because oh, it, it, it got tested so badly because <laughs> of the end. They put John Candy in with the whole security guard joke thing at the end. Through the mm. roof, through the roof. Now, guess how much he got paid for that, Brent? Scale, probably $800. One million. Candy did. For that little bit he did for at that the little end. bit. Interesting. Okay. Good for him. There you go. And he saved, but the, the film apparently was like, and then they got him on the end and it was just like, there you go. Yeah, I, I love it. I just did half of those places. So did the did the did the drive drove from here to like Utah, yeah. and plus also drove to the Grand Canyon this year and everything with the kids and the whole, it was so funny. So we we uh, we did all that this year and it was uh, it was always remnants in my brain and and uh, Alex, Alex wanted to stay Alex wanted to stay at a motel so bad he sees him on the movies like I want to stay at a motel and I'm like okay so we stayed at one in like Montana and we left and like you know and it was like an expensive motel it was oh, okay. but it was the only one in town and we drive away the town's cool it's a cool little place we drive away and we get like two hours down the road he's like i don't want to stay at a motel anymore <laughs> like, that's a joke it was just like i thought you, i thought you left something stuck in the no back a pool of a pool a full of 49 kids jumping around like it was just this it was a classic like thing yeah. but the motel like in vacation uh you know it was it wasn't quite that but it was a it was a downtown motel um we're having fun damn it yes ashley that was a great line um uh so and he has a freak out uh, he has a freak out in all of them too he freaks out kind of in vacation he freaks out in vegas vacation That's his character. You know, he goes nuts his character and, puts up with yeah. it <laughs> he tries to be the good dad he tries to be that role model father that he thinks his dad was he tries to keep tradition going he and, tries to hold the family together yeah. until he can't do it anymore, and then he, and that's him. That's his character, and he's so funny. Well, what, about the, does, what about the what about the stuff that you couldn't do now, though? Because like the, like when he gets lost in the hood and they take his hubcaps and all that stuff, it's like you know well, he I, gets. Lo- I'm just yeah, saying, it's yeah. like there's a there, it's a bit like white family pulls into black neighborhood, black neighborhood rips off all your shit and kind of sends you. I'm just watching it go. They do it again, I, but they, they just mix the, they'd mix. Yeah. We just mix it up. Right. It was just, you'd have some Hispanic funny. people in there. You'd have some white people in there. Yeah, maybe yeah, an Asian yeah. dude hanging out in the back, female black. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was kind of right. But yeah. So John, I thought he, you know, he really set the tone on that. Obviously we know uh, the impact of this. The kids just watched the breakfast club day to day for the first time. So I just showed it to what them. They the think day. of the pot smoking scene. Well, they were like, I forgot about that. Yeah, there's a, there's a bit of some stuff in there. Plus, he gets a little bit like, you know, you have you have a cherry popped and things like yeah, that. Yeah, there's some rudeness. I, I had to kind of you know be a little bit uh, screeny, but it was whatever, right? They're hearing it on the playground. But um, it's it was funny, R, Brent. They're not supposed to be watching it. But they all, but they called out all the things. They're like, that one's gonna fall in love with that one, and you know, mm-hmm. so that had a really cool, cool uh, vibe to it. And I and I, I showed it to him because I'm like, you know what? One's in high school, the other one's going in high school, and I'm confident it still exists. And I'm talking, I'm sitting there talking to Smith. I'm like, does this exist? She goes, oh, yeah, that that person is that person. The, the, the only split now, I think, is that, like, when we were going to school, it was, like, the metal kids, the, you know, the metal and the shop kids, the preppies, the this and that and this and that. I think they're all kind of intertwined now. Like, I don't think there's, like, I don't see too many, like, of the metal kids right now. You know what I'm saying? Like that just doesn't really exist. Like they're all all the kids kind of look at the same. You see it more probably because you get kids all the time. But like taking her to high school, and I'm like, "Where's all the metal kids outside smoking?" No, yeah, it doesn't happen anymore. You know what I mean? Doesn't right? You know they all go to the Tim Hortons and and vape. But um, (laughs) but uh, but it it was crucial to show that because I was like, I wanted to get their their thoughts on on that. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, every year this is a staple to watch. Um, 
uh, we we obviously know that. Uh, you're a big weird science guy. Um, I love weird science. Just it, it just reminds me of a good point in my life when I was watching weird. Science. I, I'm I'm so that way with movies and, and songs and TV shows. They just bring me back. If it was a good time in my life when I was listening yeah. to or watching whatever it is, yeah. Um, I, I sometimes I, I think I over romanticize things of my youth sometimes, and mm. movies are are part of the things maybe I over romanticize. But I, I don't know. I, I, I find it's like a time capsule for me. Cinema. There's, there's another one, like a career opportunities. I mean. Who, oh, man. that mo- And she is just beautiful in that movie. She's never stopped being beautiful. I mean, I, God, think, I don't know. Jennifer but, uh, Connelly. Again, she's in the new Top Gun. Looks great. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Connelly. Beautiful. Jennifer Connelly in there. Um, I mean, the Home Alone thing, obviously. Mr. Mom. I mean, if you watch back Mr. Mom now, it's like insane. You that's know, it's like movie. that's another one that I was pretty young, but wow, it's just a great movie. Great, just the great innuendos movie. and all the things that they just can't get away with, you know, anymore. Oh it's yeah, so true. Funny. That's that's for sure. Well, that's uh, to Tarantino has pretty much got a whole a free pass for his next movie. I believe his last movie. He also has a TV show that's coming out yeah. that he's, he's going to start working on. He has no idea what apparently what his movie's going to be. But he's got a TV show fleshed out that he wants to do. Which is Amazing. I'm wondering oh, what. Wow. Okay, so what do you? Let me. Uh, let's get off. Let's get off John for one minute. Okay, if bye, you're going to see, see the epitome of um, of uh, what would your final Tarantino movie be? If it, oh, if geez, I don't know. Jeez, I don't know, man. If you could, it, what? Because there was rumors that he was going to do a Star Trek, uh, rated R Star Trek, and I'm kind of like, eh. And mm. I don't mean that. I can't know, just see like, him doing that. I just don't see the need for it. I can't see him wanting to do that. You know what I mean? I don't know why he would. Um, I don't know. I, I I don't know what he would. I, I have no idea. His movies come out of like, who would have thought he would have made Django Unchained? I have I, to feel that like his last movie mm-hmm. is going to tie in all the movies. So I feel like his last movie, mm-hmm. like there'll be like Django led into uh, the dirty, uh, the hateful eight. Or something wow. which led into this, which led into this, which you know this guy, the the you know the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was them as a byproduct of this. Like I, I feel like that last Tarantino movie will actually be what Kevin Smith is doing, which which ties it all in, and it goes fuck me, they're all connected somehow. I that would be great. I'm, if I'm Tarantino, I'm likely in a different place, but I would love for him to find a way to tie Kill Bill and Reservoir Dogs together. <laughs> That's a lot of pressure, a last movie, and saying, like, you know, he, you know, get to go out on top. He doesn't want to go out, you know, saying, oh, man, I, I liked his old movies, his new movies. I don't know what he's doing there. You know, he just wants to go out on top. So As he to references John Hughes a lot, too. He likes, he liked the, the sort of the, the character development. I guess the, the effect on pop culture, you talked about the music side of it and how he broke some music and, and the new yeah. wave and things like that. Um, Obviously, uh, f- f- from the standpoint of like the biggest movies in the world, Home Alone being like a like a, a classic Christmas movie now, that was a byproduct of Uncle Buck. So little things like this, like you talked about in Vacation, Uncle Buck, that scene uh, when Macaulay Culkin uh, looks through the mail the mail slot and sees Shanice looking back at him. Uh, John Hughes watches that back. Takasi, you can probably comment on this, but John Hughes watches that back and goes what would happen if a kid got left home alone <laughs> and he writes home alone for macaulay culkin oh yeah right? yeah and i would wager that home alone 2 is better than one home alone 2 is fucking if you watch it back it's like i just watched it last night it's even better than home alone one it's really it's, it's a really good movie it's it is fucking a good movie. great rob schneider you know with the thing and the, yeah oh, it's all the same gags they didn't have to choose they didn't you have were to smooching with cliff uh and you know you get a a lot of intel on those two movies from that uh that series on netflix called the movies that made us Mm -hmm. yeah that's a brilliant series i'd like the toys uh the toys that made us and stuff too all those series are great uh, uh, okay, DaCosta thinks he has to do a backstory for Pulp Fiction, the origin story of Vincent Vega and Jules. You know what, DaCosta? I would like rather that. see that in a TV show. I'd rather see that in a TV show. Oh, wow. That would be a good... I, but whatever, I, I'm with you on that. I would love to see that. Because so the one thing outside of Kill Bill 1 and 2, uh, DaCosta... Um, Vincent being a Scientologist, nice one. <laughs> um, uh, the one thing that uh, that I that I do love about the Tarantino flicks outside of Kill Bill one and two is that they are separate of each other. So I, well, no, because there's a 
no reservoir and pulp fiction are related ish but I, because and, Vinny and Vegas, a, the brother of uh what's yeah. his name yeah i i think that um i, and the I case the case is i is wouldn't the, mind i wouldn't mind them putting it all together at the end right but i do love the fact like i wouldn't want an origin story on everything that he did unless it ties in all nine movies right. into like how does jackie brown reservoir dogs kill just Bill, watch that too and, oh, a, hate, and a hateful brown, eight how do they all connect and john hughes never did that much which well, i would, hey, I, man, I, wait, loved wait, I just thought of something remember in pulp fiction when Uma Thurman tells John Travolta about the TV show she's in, she's describing the characters in Kill Bill. Mm-hmm. Reservoir Dogs mm-hmm. links to Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction links to Kill Bill. Yeah, he might be getting After there. that. I don't know what happens there. Um, but also, I, I had this this little gem on my on my cinema gems there last week. Is that Quentin Tarantino's original idea at Pulp Fiction was that case that's yeah. glowing? Those yeah. are the diamonds and jewels, or what, those are the diamond jewels from Reservoir Dogs. And he was going to tie the whole story in there with that. That was his original thinking. And it just got away from him. And now it's turned into lore. Now people are like, what's in that case? Exactly. Right? Exactly. But that was originally what he was thinking so he could tie that in. So if you look at it this way, you've got you got Reservoir Dogs, you got Pulp Fiction, and you got Kill Bill 1 and 2 that kind of are linked together. So you got right. four of them that are linked together. And you've got five stragglers. Ish. Right? But he could find a way. Oh, I'm just I'm saying, sure like that. Anyway. You got five stragglers that he needs to bring Lucy Liu back, and she'll tie it all in. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Uma's she was fine be... to work with on that movie too. Uma's got to be back in the. Uh, Uma's got to be back in the last one. Um, oh, we're getting down there. Nine minutes. Uh, John we are too. Hughes. All right. So, I think uh, most most important filmmaker of the '80s. Next, to, I would say I mean, so because you got and he's going up against Lucas. Obviously, and Spielberg. Oh, yeah, that's tough. Oh, shit, so you got Lucas, really Lucas Spielberg, and John Hughes. As far as I'm concerned, uh, are probably the three. And then you know, you film heads are going to be like, and then there was this this fucking director that did all these French films. I'm not talking about that. No, Who we're had? Talking you about- know, we're talking about like, you know, Spielberg, Lucas, and Hughes. I think that's world the world renown, right? Like movies that affect the world. Movies and that hipsters it. won't like. Right. So I is he more important than Lucas and Spielberg? Did he make yeah, more important tough. content wow. content than then? Or did those did, did, did they write, you know, and make these movies? Obviously, because Star Wars was technically the seventies, you know, so that puts Lucas back into the seventies if we're being serious, and Spielberg back in the seventies. But well, like Spielberg as far had some as, hits in the eighties though. I think Spielberg's biggest hits were in the eighties, were they not? Yeah. So, so I, I, yeah, so I think it would be between Spielberg and John Hughes. That's tough, right? That's tough. Um, success-wise, money-wise, is going to go to Spielberg. Yeah, but yeah. Who but made, we're talking who, made, who we like better. We were just who, talking but about who made the movies that we talk about the most, and I think it's got to go to Hughes. Yeah, because I love the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like I love the Indiana Jones stuff, but there was really only two of them in the eighties. That 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 eighty-nine was, I guess, the third one. And then you had some other Spielbergy kind of things that he was in, but I think Hughes was more consistent throughout, leading into Home Alone. As I said, if we go into this this repertoire of movies that were he so was important, like, he was like the band Kiss back in the seventies. They're like putting out an album every year and touring. Yeah. How how they did it, I have no idea. However, John Hughes was the same guy. Was like, and there's so many movies you're like, holy shit, that was John Hughes. Like you didn't realize it. We, we could segue quickly into a movie that I thought and you could think would maybe be by John Hughes, but it's not. And that's A Christmas Story. Absolutely. That's what you end off here Christmas with a cool movie. little a new tradition I'm starting here in the, in the Cochrane household is we're going to play A Christmas Story Monopoly. We, my wife and I, my wife just picked this up. So it's basically, Hold um, that up there. you know, it's Monopoly. It's Monopoly, but it's, it's with the Christmas Story stuff in there. Instead, um, it's brand new. I got this on an auction. And this is going to be our new tradition. Now, I know what you're thinking, or no, I, know, I know what you're asking. So, you know, what, where's the uh, where, where's the kid sticking his his uh, tongue to the pole kind of thing? And, and yeah, yes, yeah. it's in there. The Chinese food restaurant is a place on the board. Do you have any of those pictures, Brent, or did? I do. Some of them came up. Some of them didn't. Okay, no problem. No problem. Uh, let me look um, here. So there we go. There's some of the, the places that you buy, right? There's the bar of soap. And there's uh, the hub capsule and nuts. <laughs> Only I didn't say... And oh, Triple Dog Dare, that's sorry, that's upside down. So the, the cards are called Triple Dog Dare cards. 
Um, there's some more frozen flagpole. You can buy that, the red ones. Ralphie's theme. I don't know what that is. Ralphie's theme. That's interesting, though. Uh, oh, and there's the little guy. So there's Ralphie in his outfit. So that's one of the pieces that you use for the Monopoly game. And there's the leg lamp, of course. You got to have the leg lamp in there. And there's a leg lamp beside me. You see, there's the bar of soap that he gets. Ralphie gets his mouth washed up with soap. And so does uh, his buddy there. Yeah, and there's the board, the, the center of the board. So that's going to be our new, again, I, um, as far as doing a review, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Monopoly. It'll be the same deal. But the way they've made the board, I'm really impressed with. The little squares on there are awesome, very innovative. I love the little guys. It's just making my family looking forward to actually playing Monopoly, which um, we, we, we had uh the credit card version with the digital version we have. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. man. And you go through the game so quick. It's like, you're done dude like that. It's you're done. It's so quick. Um, so we're looking forward to do this the old school way and just put the twist on it for Christmas. It's I, I'm pretty stoked The the money is the, uh, the kid with his, his tongue stuck on there and good stuff. Good, good family fun for Christmas, my friends. So I would say that, you know, as, as far as purchasing it, I wouldn't go. I've seen it's going for like 40 bucks and stuff like that. I got it. My wife got it from an auction. I'm not going to tell you what she paid for it. <laughs> we kind of stole it, but that's cool. But I, I would recommend it for you adults out there that are looking to put a little twist on your family fun and grew up on that movie as I did. Cause um, we're all looking forward to it. My folks are there watching. Well, yep, we are. Yep, we are. Um, my daughter's looking forward to it. And my wife is super stoked. because She bought the damn thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, I give um, that. So I give that, uh, you know, the game, the way they did it, I give four out of five deaners. I don't know what I would have did to improve it anymore. Oh, I would have. Sorry. Yes, I would have made the houses and the hotels are just normal. I would have done something with them. You always find the cool shit. I do. Thank you. But I do. I'm always looking for it. Yeah. I had this little mini arcade thing that I bought. Um, I'll show yeah, it. I saw that too. I, I got yeah. lots of toys to show for when it came to yeah, the yeah. basement, right? Like I got lots of stuff. And the online auctions are really good. I found some great stuff, man. I tell you, Alex is going to be thrilled. I got like, I like not including the box. Like I got a box for, oh, he's not watching. And then there's, a, there's a stack Might. of cards like this yeah. for him. Insanity. Insanity. And some of those ones that I mentioned to you off air that we, that I wanted to get them, I, I got them. Friends, uh, Ashley, DaCosta, uh, send us a note to our Twitter. Uh, everyone watching at home, thank you so much. Beaner. Um, you can uh, follow us on the Twitter at Kids on the Escalator 1, at least for another week. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure what we're going to do, if we're going to change it up, but, uh, but uh, look at that right there. It's always, uh, I got my, my Twitter is always going. I got, I got over 1,000 people on my Twitter, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, so I think we're just going to make some changes. Kidsontheescalator.com is up for now. It might switch to uh, livefrommachetecomics.com. We're just working out the details on that. But that's going to start in the new year. So next week, we have our annual tradition of It Came From The Basement, where we invite a whole shit ton of people to come on and talk about and show off some of the really cool shit that they have hanging out at the house. And um, we hope that you guys will join us. Ashley, we want to invite you to Costa. We want to invite you. So uh, please uh, send us a message on our DMs. And and, uh, I'll send you the link for next week around 9 p.m. Eastern, and we'll get that going for sure. Uh, and we did there, Chris, you have this little thing designed up uh, that's coming. So check this out as an opener for, for the new year. Yeah. Ooh, live from Michigan. Yeah, I, just, I got uh, tunage, got some tunage, some screaming and yelling behind it ah! or something. Live from Machete Comics on the way in 2023. Twitter's dead. Thank you, DQ. We we do appreciate uh, the kind words. <laughs> Twitter is dead, but we're still using it. Um, that is, dead. apparently, that is the uh, Kids on the Escalator podcast for another week. Cheers. Uh, Party on. Go, time. Mitch Marner. Go, man. man You've got uh, Crosby at 25 games. Shit. Sharp at 26 games. Marner's at what, 22? Mm-hmm. Go, Mitch, go. Go, Leafs, go. They're doing great. We'll talk about what's going on out here. Happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday, gracious Gary. Good times. Rad dudes. Cheers, man. Party on. Be excellent to each other. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. 
I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent. Almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.